The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare wrap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. This season, we're attempting the deepest dive that's ever been done on the disruptive organizations that are likely to impact the experience of healthcare consumers for years to come. For more provocative thinking, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Best Buy offering over-the-counter hearing devices. As one of the middle children, how might Best Buy's playbook impact consumer health offerings in the long term? And how will people know to go to their local consumer electronics store? I'll talk about that. Then Rob Klein is in the house to discuss key findings from his latest omnibus research report. His firm, Klein & Partners, conducted their report with Core Health, and it gives us a lot of insights about consumers' attitudes towards healthcare. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Of the week. We might only be hearing the beginning of Best Buy's healthcare roadmap. CNBC reported that Best Buy will begin offering an expanded collection of hearing products and services this fall after federal regulators said they would begin allowing sales of over-the-counter hearing devices. By fall, they expect 300 of their 1,000 stores will be introducing a new experience that will include displays for about 10 different hearing devices, and they've already started offering an online hearing assessment tool. The push comes after the FDA approved sales of over-the-counter hearing devices, which the agency said will let people with mild to moderate hearing loss buy devices from retailers without needing a medical exam, prescription, or fitting adjustment. Hearing aids that are intended for severe hearing impairment or for people younger than 18 still require prescriptions. And Best Buy has sold hearing devices including personal sound amplification products, TV amplifiers, and hearing protection devices already. Consumers will be able to use health savings accounts and flexible spending accounts to purchase these devices. Okay, so I had to try out the online assessment tool, which was pretty easy to find on bestbuy.com. It only took about three minutes, I only needed a set of headphones, and it gave me the results immediately. So how could this impact consumers? The FDA said that the new rule is expected to lower the cost of hearing aids. They say nearly 30 million adults in the U.S. could benefit from hearing aids. I've had family members who've required hearing devices, and I don't recall that the process was too difficult. So this might not have huge implications for the consumer experience. Although, like I said, the online tool was pretty easy. I do see this as more of a play to improve access and reduce costs. What are the challenges? Well, besides this press announcement, how will patients who need hearing devices become aware that they can go to their local consumer electronics store? The onus is on Best Buy to market this in a trustworthy way. I think they're up to the task, but it could take a while to sink in. What are the market implications? I like the thought of retail specialization. Going deep in niche areas could be a viable counter strategy while Amazon and CVS and Walmart hash it out for world dominance. 
You'll recall that Best Buy has been referred to as one of the middle children by Rock Health. These are the overlooked retail, fitness, and tech companies that are in between their big tech and retail older siblings and their startup younger siblings. They have a market cap between $10 and $350 billion, big enough to make an impact at scale, but not so big as to be under the same scrutiny as the big players. Middle children tend to be consumer-focused, and they have assets and capabilities that could be used to make a play into healthcare. So I will definitely be paying attention to what the middle children are capable of and how their playbook could impact consumer health offerings in the long term. You should too. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. The Flow. All right, let's get into the flow, everybody. Give it up for Rob Klein. Rob is a founder and CEO at Klein and Partners. I want to welcome you to the Healthcare Wrap. Rob, how are you doing? Wonderful, Jared. Thanks for having me. And where does this podcast find you? What area of the country are you based in? I am outside of Chicago, muggy, rainy Chicago. As as opposed to fully uh, windy and snowy Chicago. So this is a summertime Chicago. Absolutely. Very nice. Rob, tell us more about Klein and Partners and what else did I miss in your bio that you'd like our listeners to know about you and your background? Well, Jared, I, uh, Klein and Partners, really our mission is to help our clients find their brand's voice. So we do a lot of brand equity measurement and advertising testing and tracking work and uh, service line development and work like that. All of our clients are hospitals and health systems of all shapes and sizes across the country. And you've been doing this for a little while, haven't you? Well, I'd say 40 years, but (laughs) I will say 40 years. So yeah, quite a long time. (laughs) I've got to ask if there's any time since you've been at this that you can recall that has as much going on types of news and announcements that we keep hearing about the industry has there ever been a time that you can recall that's as busy in healthcare and has as much disruption happening is there any time like that that you can recall other than what's happening right now oh absolutely not in fact i just read an article where they said that we are going to face more disruption in healthcare in the coming year than we have in the past 10 or 15 years and so we have to brace ourselves. It's a new world, and it is not for the faint of heart. Isn't that the truth? I don't know if it ever has been, and today it's more true than ever. You got to have your wits about you. You got to recognize how quickly things are going to change. And I think that's a great way to bring up our main focus today, Rob, which is your newest omnibus report, which tells us a lot about how consumers feel about healthcare. How are they seeking it? What are their behaviors? What has changed? It sounds like there have been some kind of key findings in this. It's And uh, you mentioned to me, it's hot off the press. These are brand new. You shared some of the highlights of it at HMPS recently. And now the full report is coming out. And what would be a good entry point or starting point to share here? You want to tell us a little bit about the background, about how do you get this research? Uh, how do you conduct the report? And then maybe we can go from there. Wonderful. Thanks. Happy to. So I think kind of to set the stage for this uh, study, is as we talk, you'll learn that I have a lot of Robisms. And so one of the ones I'm using now is retail has learned healthcare faster than healthcare has learned retail. And so disruption is happening to us in many ways, not by us. And so we have to react to these changing conditions, not only from consumer expectations, but what's going on all around us from other industries that are getting involved in healthcare. 
And so that, and you throw in COVID just to make things even more complicated. So I recently conducted a large-scale online quantitative survey among consumers. We talked to a 1,000 consumers. I partnered with our friends at Core Health, which is a large healthcare advertising agency that I work with quite a bit and share many clients with. And so we partnered together because we wanted to do a larger scale study to really understand how are consumer dynamics and expectations changing and what does that mean for us as healthcare marketers? And so we fielded it earlier this year. And as I said, we talked to a, a thousand heads of household who are healthcare decision makers. So let me just, if I may, Jared, let me just dive in and share some of the key findings. Here's the most important thing to set the stage because everything will flow from that. And that's COVID brain is real. Now I'm using COVID brain from a marketer's point of view, not a clinical. So I haven't done any clinical research, even though we've all read the research that there is a physiological change that's happening to cognitive processing that researchers have studied. I'm coming at it more from a how are consumers thinking about brands or not because of COVID. And so what we found is that COVID brain really is impacting cognitive processing in terms of people's memory, attention span, patience, and brand linkage. So people are struggling to remember simple things, especially millennials. I think that's an important point, too, is millennials seem to really be getting hit the hardest in terms of how they're thinking and remembering and what they're doing about things. So they're also finding it harder to concentrate and pay attention to things. So what that means is, are they listening to a 60-second TV commercial like they used to? Or are we losing them partway through? I find myself losing my patience easier. We're seeing that play out on airlines with passengers punching other people and things going on in the ER and the way healthcare workers are being treated. We've just lost civility in over the past two years. And then remembering advertisement and who the brand was. I do a lot of ad recall research, as I mentioned earlier. And what I'm finding is people can still remember the message. But then when we ask, well, who was this? The majority are saying, I don't know. I can't remember. So that means brand linkage and making the brand the star is even more important than it's ever been. So what that means is for healthcare marketers, we have to look at any type of messaging, any way that we want to dialogue with our constituents, meaning consumers. Our messaging, whether it comes in the form of traditional advertising, digital advertising, any type of personal dialogue, website development, I'll talk about that and call that out a little in just a few minutes. But that messaging has to be simple, engaging, or catchy, repetitive, and the brand has to be the star. So let me unpack that a bit. So simple. The days of, and I've had clients say this to me when they're working on print ads, oh, if we've got white space, we need, let's fill in another message there. The days of packing on messages are over. Simple is the name of the game. That means only trying to say one thing to them. It has to be engaging or catching. If someone's looking at or reading your ads or listening to your ads, and there's nothing to engage them, they're gone because their attention span is only a few seconds now. So if we're not 
bringing them in right away, if we want a 30 second lead up to get to the payoff, they won't be there when we get to the payoff. And it has to be repetitive. I mean, that's been an old standing adage for advertising, but more so than ever, we have to have frequency of exposure. And then the brand is the star. We can't be afraid to put the name of the brand. If it's a TV ad, that name should be there the entire time. If it's a radio ad, it needs to be said um, repetitively. If it's a print ad, the logo needs to be larger. It can't get lost in the corner because people are not connecting the brand like they were just five, six years ago. No one is rushing home to watch the next health insurance commercial. And they're certainly not rushing home to see the next healthcare ad. So we're dealing with a passive audience that's not tuned into us all the time. They've got life to live. So we have, as marketers, have to do a much better job of saying things that get their attention. How that impacts website. I do a lot of website research as well. And what we're finding is it's impacting website design. Consumers that are visiting websites, they need websites that are simple and have white space and don't cram 50 million different things above the fold. And they want to be engaged and they want things to be easy to find. And so how we design websites has to fundamentally change because our websites are, are complicated. We have a lot of things we're trying to get across. We have lots of different types of visitors. But we have to be sensitive to the fact that they're cognitively challenged. And, and if it's their first time on a healthcare website, they're getting lost easier. So the use of chatbots or having live chat so that they can learn and get help if they get stuck. That, as I say to, to our clients, the website experience is becoming synchronous. It's no longer asynchronous. And that means, is your website built for the speed of now? Are you able to dialogue with people now, not in a delayed fashion? That might have been okay a few years ago, but with today's consumer, it's got to happen now. So with that, my next robism, I promised you several, and my next one is time is the new currency. And you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. We have all lost two years of our life with COVID. And so the patience of consumers to wait an hour or two in the physician's office because you're running behind, they have no patience for that anymore. They want online scheduling. They want to be told when you're ready to see them. Don't make them leave their home until you're ready to see them or text them when you're ready so they're not waiting. So consumers want to be able to access healthcare when they want it, where they want it, how they want it, and with whom. So it's got to be on their time, no longer our time. So I will take a breath here and let you kind of ask me some other questions. But that's the real big takeaways that are setting the stage for this is the new consumer and how they think and how we have to respond. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. 
Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Okay, back to the flow. Well, this is really insightful because it plays along a trend that I've been watching for a while now, which is for marketers to be the best at what they're doing, they need to understand consumers better, then they need to engage with consumers better, and then design and build a better experience. And this matches up with that line of thinking because I feel like historically, I think it's safe to say that prioritizing a consumer experience hasn't always been at the top of the list of marketers' responsibilities, let alone you know their capabilities. And this is what we're seeing is that this can be a competitive advantage if we acknowledge some of the things you just shared of what consumers really do want. And it, it sounds like this was accelerating this trend that was happening prior to COVID. But now we really are, as consumers, looking at the experience that happens with healthcare. We are not looking at it as differently as we used to. Are we accepting the fact that it's so hard to engage with my provider when it's so easy to do everything else in my life? The answer is no. (laughs) And so it's going to become more and more of of an advantage or disadvantage for marketing teams to recognize that. If I could, it brought to mind... When you were talking about what consumers were focusing on in a marketing message for a healthcare organization, it brought to mind something that was kind of on the other side of the aisle, which was something in the press release from Amazon, who, as we all know, just you know just acquired One Medical. In the press release announcing that piece of news, there was a quote from Neil Lindsay. He's this, the SVP of Amazon Health Services. And I wonder if I could just read a couple sentences of this to you and, and get your take on, like, is this accurate? Is this what consumers feel right now. This is what he said. He said, booking an appointment, waiting weeks or even months to be seen, taking time off work, driving to a clinic, finding a parking spot, waiting in the waiting room, then the exam room for what's too often a rushed few minutes with a doctor, then making another trip to the pharmacy. That's how he described the healthcare experience right now. And he said, Amazon, in their case, they see a lot of opportunity to both improve the quality of the experience and give people back valuable time in their days. Does that sound accurate? Like, is that what consumers are looking for in their healthcare experience? Absolutely. As I said, time is the new currency. And so we have spent 100 years designing delivery that's convenient for us. You know, it reminds me, in the early 80s, I was in banking. And remember the term banking, banker's hours? That was a negative connotation because it meant, oh, you don't work very hard. You've got banker's hours. Well, banker's hours are gone. Now, we could almost insert healthcare hours, meaning where we build hours that are convenient for us. Consumers are no longer going to accept that. Let me tell you what, something I don't hear a lot of people talk about, but there is a something, COVID caused a change and we actually did it to ourselves. During COVID, we ramped up virtual visits almost overnight. For a year, I've been doing virtual visit research for more than 10 years, and I couldn't get clients to recognize how important it really was. They were dragging their feet like a kindergartner that doesn't want to go to school. And now, during COVID, 
we went from zero to 100 overnight. What we did, the unintended consequence, we just showed America, push come to shove, we as an industry can innovate, which is wonderful. We're patting ourselves on the back of how great a job we did. We're not thinking that and realizing that the consumer is saying, well, you just innovated overnight and now you're telling me I can't get an online appointment. You're telling me that you still screw up with billing or you can't give me upfront pricing. No, 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 no. You've told me you can innovate. You showed me you can innovate. So I'm not going to take no for an answer. So we've created our own hurdle that we have to keep jumping over. That's what I find fascinating that I'm not hearing enough people talking about. I think that's a really good point. And to think that that was an unintended consequence, I've seen that as well. And to recognize that that is a contributor to consumers changing expectations, I think is just really important for us to realize And it leads me to think about any other unintended consequences, as well as the fact that the bar is still pretty low here. I think like the good news of of all this is the opportunity is there for everybody. I mean, it's always been there just as it's always been, but that bar is still pretty low. It's not like you have to have a perfectly Amazon level experience in all aspects of everything related to your care. If even just a little bit of that is improved, you're going to have a better experience and you're going to recognize, hopefully, and associate that with the brand of the healthcare organization that you're engaging with. I feel like there's more opportunity than ever. And if all this does is help us build the case for focusing on and giving more priority to consumer initiatives, then that could be a good consequence. It's creating a new dialogue that I likewise did not hear happening a few years ago, let alone you know, right when COVID was happening. Yeah, I agree with you about the kind of the, the bar is lower. In fact, I'm chuckling here because it reminds me of that old Saturday Night Live skit about lowered expectations, a dating site. And people have lowered expectations for healthcare. Even though they're coming up, they're still, it's not a big hurdle to jump over. And we no longer have excuses to say, oh, that's too hard. You don't know what it's like to have to do scheduling or to do pricing. Consumers are like, talk to the hand. I don't want to hear it anymore. And I'll tell you, that leads me to my other big aha from this is what I call the trouble bookend children. And that's upfront pricing and backend billing. What I, in fact, I was doing billing research before COVID hit, and it's only gotten tougher since then. No matter what journey mapping you do, no matter how you create the most amazing experience for a patient, you can absolutely blow it and undo all of that brand goodwill by having a bad billing experience and upfront pricing I'll get to. But let me talk about that first. It's kind of the lesser of the two evil brothers, but consumers don't understand why we can't tell them how much something is going to cost. The example we all hear people say is, would you go to a car dealership and to buy a car? And the salesperson says, well, this Toyota is going to cost you anywhere from 15 to $40,000 I can't tell you anymore until you buy it. Nobody in their right mind would buy that car. But we buy healthcare like that all the time. But not anymore. Consumers are now starting to say, you know what? I'm going to take a look. In fact, 20% nationally said that they price shopped recently. And so one of the big places they're price shopping is for outpatient testing or imaging. And when they find out, well, if I go to the hospital, this x-ray is $600. 
if I go to this outpatient center that the hospital owns, it's only $125. So they're trying to reconcile your advertising that says, hey, we're an integrated system with, oh, but it depends on where you get your service from us. The price could vary quite a bit. They don't want to hear that anymore. So upfront pricing is really, really hurting the systemization claims that we're all making. Now the big trouble child is back-end billing. So what I have found when I was doing my billing research, even before COVID hit, here's the two expectations people have of billing from healthcare. And I hope everybody listening is sitting down because these are going to shock you. Number one, consumers have figured out that you have to pay multiple organizations and people. It's not just all um, one place. So they get all these separate bills. What they're saying now is, I'm tired of being your accountant. You figure out how to pay those people and you send me one bill. Now they use firmer language that I will not use on this family friendly podcast, but they know what's going on and they don't appreciate it. Here's the second one that is the kicker. If you can't send me a bill within one month of service, I shouldn't have to pay it. Let that sink in. If you can't send me a bill within one month of service, I shouldn't have to pay it. Jared, since you're the one live with me on the podcast, what now that you pick your jaw off the ground, what is your reaction to those two expectations? Well, I think my response is a little different since COVID, quite frankly, because I feel like there was more leniency. And maybe it's just for those of us who've worked in the industry long enough, we just assumed that people were okay with it. And they're like, well, you don't have a choice. And I can't bring those expectations in here and feel like any kind of healthcare encounter is going to meet those expectations. And now it sure feels different. Now it's like, no, uh, we really want an answer to this. Yeah, absolutely. The demand is there now. You had a client said to me, Recently, I love this. I quote her anonymously often, and she said, you know, consumers' expectations aren't that different. It's just years ago, they were speaking them to us. Now they're yelling at us. And I really think that is a good point. Yeah, there's new technology. There's new things that are changing. But a lot of the basics, the blocking and tackling, that's been around forever. In fact, I'll tell you, let me, I'll dip into my old man vault here. I started doing health system research back in the mid-90s, and I can tell you back then, the top two things people wanted from these somewhat fledgling things called health systems were, I want a single bill, and I want the left hand to know what the right hand's doing. Well, 25 years later, we still can't do either one. So they've been patient long enough with us. Right. That's a great example here because, I mean, there are things like, I compare it to like curbside pickup, right? In the heart of the pandemic, restaurants, I mean, who had more of a need to pivot than than restaurants in the early days of it? And they found a way to do it. They're like, okay, we're going to figure out a way to make this work. And it's going to be another option, you know, at the time, similar to what we've experienced with virtual care and other more convenient aspects of healthcare is that we learned what was possible in a quick amount of time that now a standard is that curbside pickup is an option for almost any type of uh, restaurant that I've been to in the last couple of years. And now we're not going to go back. We're not going to think it's okay if a restaurant doesn't offer that anymore. And that inside alone should inform our strategy more than it has up until now. 
That should inform some conversations that happen with leadership. And we should make that part of what we're doing every day. Those are just some of the, the places my mind went. And Rob, this has been like uh, super informative for me. And I wonder, is there anything else that we haven't mentioned from your most recent findings that we can kind of uh, end on here? Any other point that we hadn't brought up yet that was interesting to you? Yeah, in fact, I wanted to leave everyone with one last thing here. We have lost a lot of trust with consumers over the past few years with COVID. And we've got to rebuild that trust. When I look at, in fact, I asked the trustworthiness question again this year, and the average trust rating across different healthcare providers on a zero to 10 scale, and you know with the whole scale creep, everybody's given nines and tens, the average trust rating is 6.45, which is really, really low. In fact, for-profit hospitals, it's in the low six, right up just above health insurance companies, which have always been the bad guys. That hasn't changed. But what I'm finding is that the pharmaceutical companies, the health insurance companies, they've always had lower trust ratings. That hasn't changed. What has changed is the trust score for hospitals and health systems has dropped and gotten closer to them. So that's the big thing I've noticed because of COVID is that providers, health systems, hospitals, they have really lost trust with consumers and have to work hard to rebuild that. And that's why I talked about billing and price transparency. Those are leading factors that are eroding trust, and not to mention how COVID was handled. What a perfect insight. And again, an opportunity for us to make some progress and to refocus our strategy on how we are ultimately going to gain that trust back how that can impact our brands in a favorable way as we focus on that and build it into our marketing plans, our growth strategies. It's uh, another point well taken here, Rob. This has been, again, very informative. For our listeners who want to know more about the report or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? It'll just be on our website. So if you go to kleinandpartners.com, that's K-L-E-I-N-A-N-D, partners, plural, dot com. And then you go to our resources page and you look under omnibus studies, it'll just be right there. And you don't have to enter any of your information. I always hate doing that, so I don't make others do it. You can just click and down the act, download the actual PowerPoint slides, and then you can use the many presentations that you're making. This is our gift to you to say thank you for uh, all of your uh, partnerships over the past 20 years that I've had client partners. Awesome. Well, as a fan of ungated content, uh, I will express our collective thanks for uh, making that easier for us to download. Uh, Rob, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes and a lot to think about. Uh, all the best for you and everything you've got going on. Oh, thank you, Jared. Good talking with you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.